We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Bucks won a f***ing NBA championship. Yeah! What? What? He tries to take a pulse, baby. Watching that basketball game, like, caused health problems for me. Boogie hates racism and Chris Paul. And who cannot get on board with that platform? If I've learned a lot, this, I, I'm not going to say it. That sounds too bad. No, 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 no. <laughs> the Bucks do win it all. Pat Connaughton's numbers should be in the rafters. Hey there. Welcome to the Eurostep Podcast Network uh, collab episode. I'm Rohan Cotty from the Eurostep. Joining me today is Jordan Tresky from the Win and Six Podcast. Jordan, how are you doing? I'm doing well. <laughs> Bucks won, but I'm doing well. The Bucks did win. We are coming to you right after the Bucks win game one against the Chicago Bulls, which is an outcome that we we expected. We expected that outcome. Yet somehow both of us are still just sort of flabbergasted, flustered, whatever word you want to use after this game one victory. It is a 93 to 86 final score. And as you can tell by that, it was just an absolute rock fight of a game. Uh, the Bucks came out strong. It was a strong first quarter. But the Bulls, the Bulls chipped away. The Bucks chipped away at themselves. The Bulls chipped away at themselves. They both chipped away at each other. Uh, I, I think that's just, I, I don't know. That's that's sort of what happened here in this game. But the Bull, the Bucks, excuse me, did come out victorious. And before we get into it, make sure you're subscribed on your podcast platform of choice. We're going to be coming at you with pods after every single game this postseason. So make sure you subscribe. Jordan, what are your initial thoughts after this game? Um, Bucks playoff basketball. We're back. We are back. Um, yeah, I was settling in easing in first quarter oh this is gravy this is kind of what we thought about when you listen to our uh series preview pod and kind of general bucks playoff preview pod we're looking at this series kind of being a cakewalk um and that might put it mildly depending on how you view it um the first quarter was great uh the rest of it it, it there was some waves um Got a little rocky. We got we got stranded in low tides, high tides, whatever you want to call it. Um, but the end result was positive. A lot like a lot of games last year. <laughs> That's what it, the overwhelming feeling that I had. It was like, okay, these things, the you can't be mad at the outcome. You can't be mad with Giannis being Giannis or 
you know, certain role players like Brooke and Bobby, uh, Drew really closing it late in the fourth quarter. The bi- There's some big things to take away from, and there was, of course, a lot of, like, just befuddling things that just kept happening and kept happening and kept happening and just felt like, you know, eventually the Bucks are going to win by default, but, like, it, that doesn't you don't necessarily want to talk about a game that way. You want to be like, yeah, they came in there and just like, they did it all themselves and just like manhandled the Bulls. And it was like, no, the Bulls are pretty respectable, even though they shot the ball like crap and the Bucks did too. And it's like, who? <laughs> I mean, that's not what you want to see from your first game, but um, that's, that's what ended up happening. Yeah, 34-21 after the first quarter. And the vibes were just immaculate. During that first quarter, the Bucks get off to a 9-0 start. Giannis hits a pull-up three, and then Bulls have to call a timeout. It's like, oh, my goodness. The tweets were firing. The takes were flying. It was, it was a good time. Started to, started to sort of descend from there. The Bulls actually managed to score a basket, uh, which was impressive for them tonight. And uh, it just kept on going from there. I don't even know where do you where, – where should we start, Jordan? Should we, let's start with Giannis. Let's start with Giannis yeah. so we don't get lost in that. Giannis was absolutely incredible tonight. He was head and shoulders the best player on the court by far. The only real problem he had was foul trouble. He struggled late. He ended with five. He picked up his fifth with around 10 or eight minutes left. In I think it was eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, yeah. which sort of uh, led to him not playing as much a little bit down the stretch. But just pure dominance. He ends this game as a plus 19 and that's in a, what was it, a six or, well, can I do that? Seven point, uh, seven point victory. So just pure, pure dominance from Giannis. The Bulls have no one to stop him immediately out of the gate. They just immediately showed doubles. As soon as he caught the ball, whether it be at the top of the key, whether it be in the post, he's, he is just immediately seeing bodies and forced to pass the ball, which, you know, is fine if you're a Bulls defense. But the problem is that Giannis is an same playmaker as well so he was finding his open teammates the problems arose when the teammates started not hitting their shots as well but uh, not to stray too far from Giannis Giannis just absolutely incredible 27 points 16 rebounds 11 of which I believe were in the first half uh, only three assists and that's a uh, I guess to what I mentioned <laughs> like a few sentences ago teammates sort of let him down a bit two blocks I aforementioned five fouls five turnovers as well but uh, it was a strong showing from Giannis. Jordan, what did you think about Giannis today? Great. Um, see, this is, okay, I feel like I'm probably going to echo what I've talked about in past pods or, you know, I, you have to go nearly a year ago when we're kind of, that was a great Giannis game. But it also, I, I would maybe not say dominant in the fact that, like, I mean, it, it kind of followed the game where it's like the Bucks anytime they have a lead, they searched for every way to not have a lead anymore. <laughs> Whether it was committing these awful turnovers or Giannis kind of jacking up, you know, early shots from three and just like, okay, like you're kind of finding your flow and rhythm and stuff like that. A lot of this ca- came down to, honestly, um, the Bucks looked like a team that hadn't played in a week. And then if you add on the fact that they didn't play any of the starters outside of Drew Holiday, immediately following Darius Garland to, get a game incentive bonus <laughs> like these guys look rusty they looked especially as the game wore on and just kind of the intricacies of um their game but back to Giannis foul trouble was the only thing really stopping him um and even turnovers like 
his his passing kind of followed the ways of like Chris and Drew occasionally, where it's like kind of overthinking or just you know that misstep in you know execution or whatever the case may be. Bulls really like I will give him this like I know their offense was terrible um, for forty four minutes out of the game, <laughs> um, but their help defense really like bothered the Bucks like they could not complete any pocket pocket pass um whatsoever it just it kind of felt like at a certain point they just kind of knew the little like knacks that the Bucks have developed over the years that really you know can only be honed over time when you play with these guys for as much as you do and I think Giannis to come to that for sure I thought he also was going to follow out on that over the back call which was a little bit like it was, that was an over the back it was an over the back <laughs> it was over the back Tony Brothers I was like oh you're Tony Brothers and then he calls that call and I'm just like thank you Tony <laughs> you're I'm surprised like, Billy Donovan didn't challenge that I did I am surprised too because that there was a lot of those calls too like you think about it and you're just like I think Bud had a – there was one on Giannis, like, in the second quarter. I can't remember what the actual call was, but it was something like, oh, they're going to – I watched the Bally broadcast, and they insinuated that Bud was going to challenge it. He didn't end up challenging it. I can't remember what it is that's bothering me right now. But, like, that was not, like, up for debate. It was like, yeah, Giannis followed him. You know I mean? Like, a lot of those, like, off the ball or non-shooting – foul calls that you can like replay i'd be like it's not worth wasting a timeout if you get it right on the on the off chance that you get it right whereas like billy donovan yeah like that's your last resort there was like two minutes left in the game if not less and that comes at a critical time like especially for a second year guy like patrick williams who has the unfortunate assignment of defending Giannis for large stretches of the game and cannot shoot the ball <laughs> well at all um yeah that was i thought that was Giannis. i thought what looked to be a hard job closing out the game was going to be made harder by Giannis falling out but tony brothers had other um ideas <laughs> it was it was a tony brothers game for sure you yes. you could tell that tony brothers really wanted to make an impact on this basketball game early on it was damar and the bulls just getting the ticky tack calls and then down the stretch it's like okay we're not calling anything we're yeah. just gonna, we're just gonna let this ride. We could have grabbed a hammer and just like started like chasing Demar Derozan and tried to like he they would they would have called nothing. There was some there was some like abject like oh Demar just got whacked and they're just like nope. We're Demar, gonna... why'd you get in the way of Brooke Lopez's hammer? Like why <laughs> did you get in the way? If anything, you're lucky I didn't call that an offensive foul, Demar. Exactly. <laughs> but but yeah, just to cap on Giannis. Uh, there was a run in the third quarter when the Bulls took a five-point lead and the tides are sort of turning. Giannis comes back into the game, immediately finds Drew Holiday for a layup, immediately scores on his own, and the Bucks take the lead back. And that sort of felt like a momentum shifter, uh, though the Bucks did give up the lead again in the fourth quarter. But in that moment, it was a, <laughs> it was a momentum shifter. Just Giannis and his presence in this game was just – it was felt, it was palpable what he was doing to the Bulls on the basketball court tonight. So I'm glad we started with him because, uh, yeah, if we want to talk about the rest, uh, should we, should we, should we alternate? Where should we go from here? Should we talk Chris and Drew and get it out of the way? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So Chris Middleton, let's start with, uh, 11 points, 
four of 13 shooting, one of seven from three. He got to the free throw line, made both his free throws, you know, five rebounds, respectable, six, six assists, nice. Uh, seven turnovers, uh, one steal, nice. What, 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 what happened here? <laughs> what, 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 what's going on with uh, our good pal, Chris Middleton, George? Uh, slow shooting start. Um, That's one way to put it. What? Yeah, one way. Um, you kind of thought he would eventually find it. I can't remember who was really guarding him to start the game because it wasn't Williams. It would probably would have been either Demar or it was Demar. Demar. Yep. And to I mean to his credit, I know he's not really viewed as a um, plus defender, but I thought Demar was kind of he made some solid reads and kind of bothered the Bucks in very small but key ways. Um, and obviously, you know, if you're limiting Chris to 11 points of 13 shots and he's got seven turnovers to boot, like he, to me, was like the ultimate bellwether of like, okay, the Bucks are going to get this sorted out or Chris is not going to figure it out and they're going to lose game one, that kind of thing. That's, you know, as we're kind of settling in, especially the second half, it's just like, Chris, you're almost there. And it's like, it's not there. It's, you know, he hit some big shots, like, as the game wore on and kind of you know it's it's one of those like i did he <laughs> he i thought he hit maybe it was early i again this is a blur because i was like there's like some like oh that's chris and then they'll be like oh that's also chris you know the 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 jekyll mr hyde kind of chris milton that's chris and that's james um i just the what stands out to me like sure we we know what we're going to get with chris middleton in terms of shooting he's either going to be kyle kuzma that's disrespectful to kyle kuzma uh he's 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 going to be rashad vaughn or he's going to be prime michael jordan and there's like no (laughs) in between between. no in between come playoff time uh this this was a rashad vaughn game sorry rashad wherever you are (laughs) i mean i gotta say though that if Rashad, well, he's a <laughs> he's a great human being, but Rashad Vaughn would be very lucky to have eleven points in a playoff game. That's an a- NBA playoff game. I know he's an MVP and I believe the some European league, but yeah, he was. Shout out to Rashad, man. <laughs> but sure, we we know what we're gonna get in terms of shooting performances. It's the turnovers that really really bothered me. It was just lazy passes. He had like. I believe it was two, at least two turnovers where he tried to do like a, like put some English on a baseline pass yeah. and it just immediately went to the defender and he kept on trying it. Like, nah, this is the time where it's going to work. No, it didn't work last time, but you don't know about this time. Didn't work again. He's like, no, no, no. Last two times he got me. Okay. It's not going to work anymore. Uh, it's just, it was felt sloppy. His game felt sloppy because there was a couple pocket passes that he missed. There was just a couple of weird shot attempts that he took as well, but just the turnovers are what killed me from his performance. I thought of a clutch play that he had. Okay. I, I specified play because it was not a shot. The um, outlet pass to Zach Levine that he weirdly kind of like, I don't know what he was trying to do, but he kind of tried to do like a little like showboat kind of layup. And Chris is like, yeah, I'm going to, try to draw a charge because you don't know what you're doing right now and it, <laughs> that was probably the the biggest like energy which was also player. a block but the way that was definitely a block chris was sliding <laughs> oh yeah it, it was not clean but i mean we'll tony brothers can get against <laughs> tony brothers 
<laughs> but no, you're right. That was it was a good play. It was a good play attempt, and it ended up yes. working. Uh, yeah, for the Bucks. But aside from that, it just felt like he didn't have the pace of the game down. It felt like he was trying to go multiple speeds at a time. He wasn't getting in rhythm and finding his shots. Like I mentioned, the sloppy play. Like we we know with this, like I'm not gonna don't don't come at me and say, oh, Chris Middleton isn't good enough. We know he can. We know he can be good enough. We know that he's going to rebound from this. It's not like he's going to play like this all series or anything. He might come back next game and be in the prime MJ cycle. Who knows? It, likely. But uh, the, Chris has struggled against the Bulls this season. He has not shot well against the Bulls this season. But he just needs to keep taking the shots. And that's what I think he needs to do. He put up 13 shots today. That's fine. I just don't want him to become too passive. I want him to stay aggressive. That's what's yeah. most important to me. Yeah, agreed. I, I think, especially when, as you said, those pocket passes, the kind of things that, like, on a good night, it's like, okay, Chris is reading the game well. When he doesn't have it going well, it's like, okay, it looks lazy, or you're just kind of, like, you're turning it on when you don't have to turn it on, or it's it's not coming to you as quickly as you thought it would. Like, that's where it's, like, he synthesized all of, kind of, the frustrations and the struggles that the Bucks had in his own game, if that makes sense. And I think, you know, it's going to look better when he shoots the ball well, but it's it just, it's more of the general kind of, you know, the way you're leading the offense or if there's a hit, you know, someone's, you get a good, a big stop and someone's running down the other end of the floor and you just don't have the right pass or you're putting too much English on the ball, like you mentioned earlier, like, it just comes down to those little things that, you know, if if you're not playing the game for, you know, nine days or however long it was, like, it can kind of, you have to kind of find it again. And, you know, luckily the Bucks avoided, you know, losing that game one bullet <laughs> or biting that game one bullet again. But, like, it was just kind of like, it just felt like everything that you can describe of, like, what um, the Bucks struggled in was kind of just, you know, epitomized by Chris Middleton. Yeah, you mentioned the rest. You mentioned game one. It's actually a miracle that the Bucks won this game, considering they were on a rest. They had a lot of rest. It was a game one. It was Tony Brothers. I don't know how they ended up winning this game. It was like the it was the holy trinity of people things working against Milwaukee. Probably the wrong day to say that, but the only thing the only thing that would have made it like even more of like what is like if the game started at noon and oh was, yeah like, yeah this is this is gonna be weird. that might have been one too many that might have turned into the four horsemen of the apocalypse then see it and I yes. got I got my references there we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, moving on <laughs> drew holiday also struggled from the field he managed to turn it around score a bunch in the fourth quarter mr fourth quarter as i've dubbed him but interesting performance ends with 15 points on 16 shots only one of four from deep chris like him and chris made the same amount of threes and Giannis all made one three who was the only player to make more than one three bobby and wes bobby? yeah bobby and wes mm. Interesting. But Drew Holiday, I did not feel like it was a super, super impactful game from Drew Holiday on either end. Um, I don't I, – I would agree with you offensively. I mean, again, you know, he's an NBA champion. He's an Olympic gold medalist. 
but we know how the some of the playoff games were last year where it's like Drew's five for 23, but the three of those five came at like, you know, fourth quarter or overtime, like that game seven against the Nets or whatever the stat was. Again, I think he only had six points in the first three quarters, kind of. He wasn't being as decisive with the ball. And again, I think Chris's turnovers kind of overshadowed like Drew's kind of misreads and, you know, making kind of like, oh, you really want to take a three 10 feet out from the arc when, you know, you're not really feeling it kind of like it just didn't, he kind of made those same like, okay. Are you you really doing this right now? (laughs) Yeah, that kind of thing. But at the other end, I mean, he's, guarding Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan heavily throughout the game. And it's not like he's like locking him down because, you know, DeMar DeRozan is going to get shots off anyway, but he was not making a lot of them. And I think as time wore on, you saw the Bucks start to pick up, you know, off of in- inbounds passes. Obviously that starts with Javon Carter because that's, it is DNA to quote Bucks DNA. Um, but Drew Holiday started kind of like, that's where it, I, I feel like those little things that kind of occur late in the game, we are so de- – it's like, oh, yeah, you're you're picking them up. But, like, it did feel like the Bulls, like, even though they were not <laughs> – they were not good offensively. They were not going to – I have to repeat this endlessly. They were not good offensively at all. Um, but I felt like the Bucks as that fourth quarter – wore on that they really kind of constricted them and kind of felt or made them rush into offense late in, sh- in the shot clock that you know that they they didn't want to do and I thought Drew took that baton and really you know carried it as he eventually found his offense and started hitting shots and started kind of getting the line and stuff like that so yeah I would say probably like a B minus game but defense would probably be a higher agreed yeah for sure speaking of the fourth quarter by the way drew was three of six one of two made his three in the fourth quarter Big nine three. points just uh just great performance from drew in the fourth closed it out as usual even with Giannis sort of uh coming in and out of foul with foul trouble drew was the one who was uh picking up the load initiating a lot of the offense finishing at times to just i don't know what's happened to him this season but he is did Chris transfer his like powers to Drew Holiday this year? It kind of feels like he did, didn't he? A little bit. It has. It's certainly gone on. I mean, you could think of the Heat game winner um, over Gabe Vincent, or just I don't know what it is. He just he kind of turns it on. Like it, you can kind of be like like a night like tonight is like perfect example of like yeah, you cannot really find it the first three quarters or your yo. Know, you're spending so much time or and, and energy defensively that your offense is going to suffer because of that. And Drew just kind of finds a way. Like that's what makes him so in, in a very smaller version, like Giannis, when Giannis doesn't have it going on a certain night, which is again, a rare night, but like Drew just kind of finds his groove in a very Drew way. And it doesn't make a lot of sense. Not a lot of players can do that, but like, that's when you become a player as great as him or even Chris when he's having those struggles. That can kind of get washed away. And it's like, yeah, you find you found it at the right time. It just, you know, it the the journey there wasn't as great as uh, as you hoped it would be. 
<laughs> yeah, it's all it's the the ends justify the means in this situation. Exactly. Would you say? <laughs> but no, I agree. It was just he he finds a way to get himself going, and I think that comes with a lot of trust in this system. And year two in the system has really benefited from Drew Holiday, and which is why you sort of see him being able to handle the ball more in these situations, get his shots in these situations because he has more trust with the team. The team has more trust in him because they've had a whole playoff run with him. They've had a whole year with him. That's a, that's why I feel better about Grayson next year, by the way. <clears throat> but yeah. that's a, I think that's a good way to talk about uh, the role players in this game for Milwaukee. And we have to start off with the big man himself, Brooke Lopez, because my goodness, dominance, dominance, perform- dominant performance, I should say. Uh, ends with 18 points, 7 of 14 shooting, only went 1 of 5 from distance, 5 rebounds, but just just he felt powerful in this game, wouldn't you say? Yes. It was very fitting that the game started with Brooke just feasting on all the types of baskets that he had been feasting on against the Bulls throughout the season, which was the last like two months. Um, and it was fitting that he closed it out and the way he did. I know he only had two blocks, but uh, the weight of those blocks felt like eight. Um, that one on Zach he had, a, he had a lot of stops at the rim, too, that weren't counted yes. as blocks. Yeah. Which is the just the of, story of Brooke Lopez's defense. Exactly. The kind of Brooke, like, just altering shots and just, like, how can you get the angle that you're recovering from and all that stuff? Like, he would just, like, I, there were some parts where it was like, okay, Vooch is kind of, like, you know, getting at least, it wasn't just getting shots off, but he was kind of playing with Brooks' kind of rhythm defensively, especially. And it was like, oh, that's we haven't seen that a lot with Brook and Vooch before. And it was like, oh, it's not a big problem. Brook, like, I think I thought this kind of maybe dovetails into one of my bigger questions about it. But a lot of the Bucks' problems tonight and the passes that kind of bothered me is that it would all be solved by the fact that you have seven foot Giannis Antetokounmpo and you have seven foot one or seven foot two Brooke Lopez, who Vooch is a big guy. Uh, Tristan Thompson's, he's a big, but he's not like physically imposing. Okay, but before you continue, can we talk about the, you weren't watching the the TNT broadcast. No, but every time Tristan Thompson was on the floor, they kept saying that the Bulls are going small. That's not going small. That's not if, going small. If Tristan Thompson is on the floor, that's not a small lineup because he is. A, what is he going to do in a small lineup space? What like he, he, the, he, we? There's video of him bricking hook shot after hook shot, and you think this guy's like a, a floor spacing threat? You think this guy's a linchpin to a small lineup? Come on, it's Tristan Thompson. It is the year 2022. What are we doing here? Sorry, continue. I was waiting for a Rohan outburst, and I I had a feeling Tristan Thompson would be um, on it. It's funny that you mentioned that about like spacing for because Marcus kind of had a subtle dig about Tristan Thompson. He's like, oh, he like floated up one of his shots and didn't go in. Um, and Marcus is like, oh, that that shot looks a lot different than what we're used to when he's warming up in the game. It's like, ooh, that's that. I felt that one, Marcus. Um, but yeah, like. That I I don't know what that was. I can't. I don't even know who the announcing crew was for TNT tonight. So I it was I and Eagle, and I forget the other one. Was it Stan? 
No, it wasn't. A chacha cuompo? <laughs> cuompo. cuompo? Um, no, I, I, to, to my point, though, of like, it just felt like a lot of the Bucks problems would have just been solved with like, let's pull it, let's just run lobs. Just throw it up in the rim and have, I mean, I'm, this is me simplifying the NBA offense. This is why I'm not a, a an NBA head coach. But it, it, it just was like, you have Giannis, you have Brooke, who are just getting what they want at or, you know, near the rim. And it just kind of like, use your size, use your athleticism and vertical uh, explosion, obviously more so in Giannis's case. And it was just like, I thought like they, the Bulls really clamped down on, you know, the kind of dunker spot off ball movement that the Bucks really have excelled at in the last couple of years. Uh, maybe not yeah, subtle um, plot line. Josh Longstaff, a former Bucks assistant coach, yeah. kind of knows what Bud wants to do and stuff like that. Like that's not an insignificant note in, uh, in a series like this. Um, but that kind of neutralized Brooke and it, it forced him to play out in the corner, play more three-point Brooke, which, yeah, it helps with spacing and stuff like that. But also, I mean, we've seen it before. I don't think that I don't think that's always the best use of Brooke in some cases, depending on the lineup versus, you know, you're throwing out there. And it just kind of, you know, it doesn't it it, it solves the the structure element, but it doesn't necessarily elevate the people that are putting the structure together, if that analogy makes sense. So when Brooke kind of comes in at, you know, a very opportune time and the, when the Bucks need it most, um, he's just, again, feasting on the rim, throwing out these junk shots and it's hitting down for an and one and Pfizer looks like it's going crazy. And it's like, he just solves a lot of problems that the Bucks you know, had throughout the year, obviously. And just, you, you start to see what they miss. And then now that he's playing as good as he has been and just playing like vintage Brooke, like a night like tonight, it, it's not like it's that crazy because this is how ha- he's been here for four years and we've seen greater performance and stuff like that. But like the, the moment of the weight of what the Bucks are going through for a lot of the second half, it was just like, Oh, this is what Brooke solves. This is what Brooke brings. And it just like, it just fits like a snug glove. I thought it was fitting that one of the game icing shots was a, a Brooke Lopez and one. Uh, to really mm-hmm. increase the lead at the end. And like you mentioned, they opened the scoring with him. Uh, to your point on lobs, uh, I, do, I agree with that. I think that would that would help a lot, just vertical spacing, especially against a guy like Vooch uh, and Tristan Thompson, who's not a big apparently. Uh, but Chris, like, who, who's throwing the passes? Like, I don't, yeah. want Chris, I don't want Chris Middle to throw those passes. Give it to Bobby. <laughs> Or no, I'm joking. I'm joking. But yeah, Bobby was... <laughs> Brooke lobs. That would just Adam would Adam would never recover. Yeah, but it would. Adam also decided, but Adam was like, I don't know if the Bucks can win a rock fight through this playoff run. Well, we got it. We got yep. it out of the way. First game, <laughs> they can still do it. They can definitely still do it. It helps that the Bulls shot themselves in the foot repeatedly and then yes. cut off their own foot and then just use their other foot and like tied it behind their back and then so, manage the, the, the plot of saw. Yes. That was, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. You want to know a fun story? It's not a fun story at all. This is completely unrelated. Um, there was this one, like, so there were these guys, like, they were out, they were, like, drunk and stuff, and they were having, like, a, a manly competition to see who could tolerate the most pain. One guy used a chainsaw, cut off his own foot, and it was like, oh, yeah, beat that. Another guy chopped his own head off. It's... I'm just going to let that sit for a minute so i guess that would be a weird way to describe game one of bucks <laughs> bulls it was it's a perfect analogy I it believe. felt like especially i know we're kind of getting off on tangents but like it was so apparent like the fourth quarter where i think Giannis is like officially in foul trouble and it's like who wants to win this game does anybody want to does does Alex Caruso, whose headband fits in a very, it, it looks really weird. I think I, it just has an odd head. It has a very odd head, but I think it's also, it's a black headband, so it kind of just like, and he's very, just like a white uh, <laughs> epidermis. It just, it looks really weird. Anyway, there was like, okay, DeMar DeRozan, you're putting up DeMar DeRozan shots, and it's not going down. Zach Levine, you're doing Whatever year it is, you're doing Bustovich. The moment that he bricked that layup late, and I was like, that's twice. why. Twice. twice. <laughs> yes, good, good point. It, it, you needed as many bricks at the rim as 
you give up first round picks as the mad or the Bulls did to get him <laughs> from the Magic. Um, that's why you get Nikola Vucevic right there. I, yeah, it was just like I just felt like at, at a certain point I was like, does anybody want to win this game? And again, we're back to Bucks playoff basketball. We really are. I think in this in that analogy, the Bucks are the guy who chopped off the foot. The Bulls yes. chopped their own head off. See, yeah, it, it ties in. It's not just seeing red. That that's the Bulls slogan. That obviously a lot of bloodshed right there in that yes. scenario. Uh, that's gonna people are gonna love that one. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's talk about the Bulls. We've we've talked a lot about how they sort of uh, oh they they beat the, oh go ahead. Sorry, can I make one mention? Of, of course, player? Bobby Portis. Yes, Bobby. I know not a very like kind of glamorous stat line, even in the game that you know individual stat lines don't look all that great. But ten points, twelve rebounds, three offensive rebounds. Didn't have the greatest shooting at three of eight, but two of five from three. And they the Bucks needed every one of those threes, obviously when they go ten for thirty-eight. <laughs> um, but you mentioned that run late in the third. And Giannis is, you know, he lays the foundation down for kind of, you know, resuscitating that game and not letting it slip away further from the Bucks' hands. But I just thought Bobby kind of read the game really well. Like, he, yeah, he didn't finish all that well, but like, it's the energy on the boards. It's, he made really subtle, like, great defensive reads when they're switching and kind of like, got his hands into passing lanes and it's stuff that you wouldn't necessarily necessarily associate with Bobby Portis <laughs> in a lot of ways, but like it's stuff like that, the kind of, you know, it, it, it's going to be an open case about like how do, well does Bobby play and how much can the Bucks lean on him this playoff run, which I know Adam has probably different thoughts than any, you know, of you Ty and I about it at this point. But, like, that made it really encouraging for me to see him. Like, DeMar DeRozan, you, he switches on a guy like DeMar DeRozan and kind of really knew what to do and kind of knew his little, like, kind of lull you to sleep and his rhythms and stuff like that. But, frankly, last year when he's going up against Chris Paul, again, one of the greatest point guards and basketball players to ever play in the NBA, he just looked like he was, you know, didn't have a clue. And this year it's like, you're going up against a guy who's a professional scorer like DeMar DeRozan and knows how to, you know, work his way around opposing bigs like that who are slow footed. And he really held his own and just kind of, I don't know. I, I was really impressed by his game. And again, it's not going to wow you, but he would also, the Bucks were minus one. Okay. It doesn't really help my case in that point, but. Um, but it's, it's a run even. He was also a part of that third quarter collapse, like early in the quarter. Yes. So that minus one is actually pretty strong. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good point there too. But yeah, I, I felt like he, I mean, he's the only one that. Yeah. Only reserve that was in double figures, obviously. And the Bucks again, they needed every point that they could get from a guy like Bobby and uh, obviously threes too, that he hit but just not a very strong game for him in, in in ways that we don't really talk about with Bobby yeah his reads are fantastic he had two assists but they were two beauties of an assist one back cut Drew Holiday feeds him for a one-handed dunk and I believe another one was a kick out to a three I believe off of a face that might have been to Brooke or either it might have been to Wes one of the two yeah 
but he it was one of those situations where it's like oh bobby's gonna take the shot here and it's like no he's actually passing out to the wide open three so your point stands about like he just read the game so well i'm glad you brought him up i guess we're gonna stay with the bucks here wes matthews strong performance i know adam in our chat said he wanted him to play more in this game he logs what is he logged 27 minutes of just shade under 27 minutes Two or three from the field, which is from deep. It's Wes Matthews. Five rebounds, one assist. I thought it was fine. He got the primary DeMar DeRozan assignment early on. He got into like a bit of foul trouble. Uh, yes. What did he get? He only had two fouls, but those were both early. So they kind of shifted away from that a little bit. But I thought he did a pretty good job holding up. He did not make any mistakes really on either end of the floor. So I thought it was a strong performance from Wes Matthews. Yeah, the ways that you kind of recognize Wes is if he's hitting shots, not fouling, which he dabbled in, and obviously it was more of like the shooting fouls too. Like he wasn't necessarily in foul trouble, but DeMar's going in the line for both of those fouls. Yes. Um, And outside of that, like, again, very solid performance, kind of what you'd expect and hope for, but, you know, certainly unsung, and that kind of describes Wes to a T. Yeah, it was perfect. And I guess Grayson Allen, sort of a eh performance. He just wasn't involved as much offensively. And he was part of the unit in the third quarter where they were just bleeding points. That's a that's one thing. It was him and Bobby Portis on the court at the same time where he's sort of like, oh, is this is this really a tenable lineup here? And it was not. It was not tenable. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, Giannis, please save us. Giannis saved. Uh, and it works out. <laughs> that's what you can do when you have the best player in the world. But uh, the Chicago Bulls, I don't even know where to start. Nikola Vucevic took 27 shots today. 27 shots. That's ridiculous. Why, Jordan, can you explain to me why the entire team was running through Vucevic? Um, They were certainly working that, I mean, as we talked about on the preview pod, uh, the Bulls are not a strong three-point shooting team in terms of volume. Nikola Vucevic is kind of the one that's pushing that higher than where it would be normally. Um, and how many threes did he shoot? Ten. Yeah, he, yeah, he had ten. Um, he hit a big one. I think that gave the, one the of his Bulls two. a lead. One of his two. Um, yeah, just a lot of Vucevic. A lot it's of a Vucevic. Lot. It was a lot. And it was yeah. he was the featured offensive player. It's not a situation... He had more shots than DeMar. Yes, exactly. Because it's not like they were just like, he he wasn't finding shots in the rhythm of the game. They were setting him up to be the guy that takes shots. And I'm like, what exactly are we doing here if we're the Chicago Bulls? Like, I get you want to exploit like the the three-point prowess, prowess in quotes of Nikola Vucevic uh, with just running pick and pops so you can stretch out Brooke Lopez. Sure, I get that. I understand that. That was one of my keys for the Bulls if they wanted to have a chance to win this series. But just why is he posting up not, every five possessions? Uh, that was like, that was, yeah. Just any kind of like, I know like you kind of get, if you're a Bulls fan, you're kind of looking at small victories. This game was closer than anybody imagined, especially how it started. Um and it just felt like, I don't know. It just felt, I, also, the two-shot disparity between DeMar DeRozan and Vucevic could be explained by him missing those two final shots uh, at the rim, which is 
just kind of fitting. Perfect. It's poetic <laughs> yeah, justice. Poetic justice. But it was just, it's just like, yeah, it's a part, a big part of your game plan. But as we talked about in the preview pod, like he's not, he's as good as he's looked against the Bucks in that, you know, bubble uh, first round series. He's not equipped to shoot 10 times from three or, you know, largely be outside or kind of like outside inside kind of game. That's not Vucevic. That's how this what man traveled him. on a jumper because Javon Carter scared him. And this is the guy yeah. taking the most shots on your team. There, it was just a weird. That was another. That was a weird moment. And his moving, he had a couple moving screens. Like I know that's when it was like getting really tight of like the game, but like how they're calling it. And it was just like he seems like a hard player to read because I literally don't know anything about Nikola Vucevic outside of the fact that he plays basketball and has played basketball for a long time. But he just seems like a weird guy to like a hard guy to read, and he he didn't really seem fired up or like pissed off and any other like if it was going well or bad or whatever the case may be and it was just like what is going on like he, this he is it, the tim duncan of our era yes he is yeah <laughs> again that's why you give you that's why you give up two first round picks for nicola Vucevic. and wendell carter jr <laughs> and wendell carter and one other rookie or young player that I they had already yeah i forgot yeah, just bizarre, kind of very bizarre. Yeah, so I don't know if that's going to happen. It might happen again. Yeah, I think it two. is. Is I this the really Bucks... their game plan? Well, because they know that the Bucks are willing to live with it, and they think that Vucevic is going to have a better shooting net, which, hey, very well could happen. You're asking Vucevic to be the best player on the court on a like, when you're playing a team with, that has Giannis. Yeah. Yes, you are. <laughs> I don't know. Go, go off, I guess. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> good, good luck to you. Uh, DeMar DeRozan, uh, six of 25 from the field. That's a yikes. Uh, I know our, our friend Jason Pat, who did a preview pod with Ty, was tweeting that this was by far DeMar's worst game of the season. And it was just a bad time to show. Gets back to our analogy Bulls cut their head off, uh, their own heads off. <laughs> Despite just, their face. Yeah, I thought early on, I thought it was going to be a classic DeMar Grift game, but uh, he only went to the, the free throw line six times, which just which, feels wrong. Yeah. But I think that gets back to Tony Brothers in the sense that they weren't really uh, not. I shouldn't call it just Tony Brothers, but just the flow of the game in the sense that they, they didn't like they weren't biting on the Griffs as much in the second half. Like, if you were actively foul hunting, sure, we'll give it to you in the first quarter, second quarter. Once the game tightens up, we're not going to give it to you. And that's when DeMar's game sort of floundered. And uh, I hate bagging on DeMar. I like DeMar. I think he's a great yeah. player. But this is the playoff story with DeMar DeRozan every single year. Yes. Yeah, even I think we talked about on our preview pod not to keep referring to that, but, like, it was by far his worst shooting performance of the season. The, the His worst of the regular season was – Four for 13, so 30.8% from the field. He was 24%. Yeah, yep. 24% even. Um, again, you mentioned it. Didn't really go to the free throw line, even though it kind of felt like it was like, okay, DeMar's kind of, he's, uh, 
I was going to make a chainsaw analogy again, but he's hacking and trying to make his way to the free throw line any way he can. And they shut it down. Um, and I don't think that that doesn't only explain why he was missing because he, he just was missing. He just was ice cold. What was his second half efficiency? I think he's like one for 15. Two for some, 13. Two, two for, for 13. 13, which is like, he was missing DeMar DeRozan shots. And again, like, I don't like, I, I hate to kind of like fall back on these, like, well, it's the playoffs and DeMar DeRozan always kind of like struggles. But when you see a game like tonight and he just doesn't have it. And it's like, I've seen this story before and it looks like this. And it's like, it sucks. It sucks. And like, I'm not a Bulls fan. And I, I'm pretty sure a lot of the people that are listening to me talk about this right now, they're like, why would we feel bad for DeMar DeRozan? I feel great. bad for DeMar, man. But when you see a guy, like, he's so good at what he does. And it just can it's like watching Eric Bledsoe. It's like, Eric Bledsoe is a good basketball player. He I think you're still talking to the wrong audience. <laughs> well, I know, I know. But I'm just saying, like, it just, it, it is just very, like, and at a certain point, you're just like, oh, he just, he cannot hit anything. He can't even hit rim. There was some shots just like, he's just Air like, balls. yeah, he was missing it completely. And, uh, yeah, I, I, that's one where I could say, like, okay, Vucevic might have a better shooting night. He surely might not shoot as much as he did. DeMar's going to shoot as much as he did tonight. And I wouldn't be surprised if he has another game like that. That's that's kind of where I'm at with the series. And the thing is, even if he does have a good shooting game, it's not going to matter because if he has a good shooting game, he's going to be taking more shots. The Bucs are fine with that. The Bucs are fine with taking him taking contested mid-rangers all night long. They, they'll, they'll, they'll send DeMar DeRozan a thank you note in the mail. That was like part of where you know it's super tense my heart rates up i can feel like uh, you know just getting that re- like <laughs> you're kind of grumbling under your breath of like why aren't they winning like <laughs> you know and then i'm just like the the bulls go on the under other end of the floor and it's they they think they're gonna win going two by two by two and if they kick it out to the corner it's patrick williams shooting a three or it's Derek Jones shooting a three. Oh my and- God, Derek Jones cannot. If he should, like the coaching staff, he probably doesn't want to shoot another basketball again in his life. Only that, Brooke, that had, was, a, only Brooke had a like a rougher three point shooting look from that corner from a corner, like where it hit like off the backboard, yeah, like, the side of the backboard, and you're like, oh. But like, you're kind of when you shoot as many shots as Brooke does from three, you kind of live with it. But it's those guys that like. All they do is corner threes and you don't hit the broadside of a bar. And it's like, oh, you don't hit anything. <laughs> you don't hit anything. It's like, Derek, he's he's flight mode. Oh, that ball took a lot of flight or whatever. I don't know what his nickname is. I clearly flight, yeah, I think it. you're right. I think you're right. <laughs> Airplane mode. That's what it is. Oh, that's there it. Is, yeah. Damn it. <laughs> it was. Yeah, I, I can't think of it. One right off the spot. But uh, one one player who I thought had the strongest performance from the Bulls was probably Alex Caruso. He was a defensive menace. And a lot of Chris Middleton's struggles can probably be attributed to Alex Caruso and Chris Middleton. So I think... Yeah, Maggie Crime. I thought Caruso had a great performance. He was just in every passing lane. He was getting deflections. He was just bothering guys on defense. He was drawing offensive fouls. 
he 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 had a great performance. He even hit a three. Good for him. Yes, he did. <laughs> um, the other guy on the Bulls, I guess, is really worth mentioning is probably Zach Levine. We should talk about Zach Levine. Yes, we we talked about him up top a bit, but just then he looks hampered. That knee injury just sucks so much for him, and you can tell. Uh, six of nineteen from the field, just didn't have it. He was forcing up shots. A lot of like a lot of his threes were sort of at the end in desperation time. So I'm not going to hold that against him, but it just felt like a game where he couldn't find any semblance of rhythm. The Bucks did a really good job of holding him out of transition. Uh, you mentioned that Chris Middleton charge earlier. They they did a good job of walling him off, barriering him off in the in 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 fast break situations. So I I don't know where Zach really goes from here either. I guess he can shoot better, but he's not going to get into a rhythm. Certainly not against either Wes or Drew, too. It's Drew. Drew drew the probably yeah. uh, primary assignment on it. So yes. you're, you're not going to get a ton on it. No. Um, yeah. He had that, again, um, it wasn't just Giannis hampered by foul trouble. He had he picked up a, his third foul late in the first half, and it was just really stupid. Like, he pushed Giannis, like, as they're kind of, like, not really in position, but they're close to the rim and, you know, just in case. And it was just like, why? You know, especially when you watch how the game kind of unfolded and uh, it's, you're kind of going down those margins and something stupid like that, like that really kind of came back and hurt the Bulls and just kind of, I don't know. It just, I I wouldn't be, I, I don't know like how to like really describe his performance other than just kind of like, ugh. And to your point, like he is clearly hampered by his knee injury. Um, missed the last Bucks game against the Bulls, like that, yep. like last week too. Like he just doesn't look like himself. But I also just thought like he didn't really. And for as much as like, oh, he had some big threes towards the end of the game, as you mentioned, and stuff like that. It was just like, what is that going to look like when? or, you know, if DeMar turns it on or if Boosh has a better shooting night and doesn't shoot the ball as much as, as he does, like, the the Bulls' big three got a lot of opportunities and looks and had plenty, plenty of opportunity to steal away this game from the Bucks. And, again, we kind of keyed in on Zach Levine going into this series about, like, he's never played a playoff game before. What does he look like in a playoff setting? And kind of what I expected. <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not not that much of a surprise. Um, yeah, just kind of very first playoff-like game for a guy that is a good player, but not a great player. For sure. We're, we're starting to get some post-game quotes as well. Uh, we've, got, uh, we've got one from Tamar. Uh, no way in hell I shoot six for 25 again. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see about that one, Tamar. <laughs> Thoughts? Yeah, I wouldn't want to put. I, I don't know. I don't want to I put that energy out in the world. It would be interesting going back into his playoff, like resume and his game logs, and see if like I remember a lot of those Raptors games, and he shot nearly as bad as he probably did tonight, if not worse. It's not great. It's not. I feel so bad. Maybe I think I think we're just too soft, Jordan. I think we we have we have too big hearts to to really to really yes. hit. To, to be mean to the Bulls, so we feel bad. What do you... Okay, so I'll turn it on you because okay. I feel like I'm... I, you're hosting and I'm 
you know, giving my opinion. I want to start on you. How do the the Bulls? What do what do they need to do to at least even up this series in Game Two? And more importantly, do they have an offense that can beat the Bucks? See, I was going to ask you that. So uh, I actually have a, I have a semblance of what I want to say here. Uh, the quick answer is no, they don't really. This is this is an offense where if the Bulls really have their offense going, it's like what I mentioned earlier. You're just hitting contested mid rangers, and the Bucks are like, okay, cool, live with that. Because the Bucks, they're going to live with Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan taking contested mid rangers, and they're going to live with Alex Caruso, Patrick Williams, and uh, I don't know, Derek Jones Jr. taking threes, taking corner threes. They're going to live with that. That's what they're going to be designed to give up. And if you're the Chicago Bulls, you're entirely reliant on actually making those things happen, which doesn't seem very likely to really happen at all based on what we've seen all season and especially based on what we saw game one. Because the, the crux of this Bulls team is DeMar and Zach just absolutely eating. If they can't eat, they're finished. Do you think Vooch is going to put up 24 points again? He might, but he might need 37 shots to get there. You're going to live with that if you're Milwaukee. I, I, don't, I don't really see a path to the Bulls having a sustainable offense. The only reason the Bulls were in this game is because Milwaukee just, they, they, they bucked. They, they went full bucks. So that's, yes. that's, okay, that's another path to, to success. Bucks going full bucks. Yes, because... I mean, you see the Bucks go ten for thirty-eight from three, and we, you know, it, it that's a deja vu experience. It, it wouldn't be a Bucks playoff game if they weren't regressing to the mean from three. Yeah, you know I mean, like even a guy like Pat Connaughton who really found his way uh, during last year's playoff run, he couldn't really hit anything. Grayson Allen, one was, for six from one distance. for six. Yeah, he he just, I don't know if he had a lot of good looks too. It wasn't like he was you know rushing things or close out just like there was a lot of wide open shots and again that kind of happens with playoff performances as we are very accustomed to but it just feels like it hits the bucks in a in a very larger sense but when you have a, a buck you can at least like rely on chris or drew turning on the fourth or Giannis when he's not in foul trouble getting to the line and and or hitting some tough fadeaway shots or whatever the case may be to your point, when you don't have DeMar DeRozan or Zach Levine, um, first of all, not leading the team in shots and looks and stuff like that, like you're already kind of operating with one hand behind your back. But also like their starting lineup, like I, I agree with you. I thought Caruso, he had a good game, but it was also like, yeah, you look around and it's like, well, who else had a good game? That kind of thing, if that makes sense. If they're just asking a lot of like him and Patrick Williams to be the defensive guys, because like again, when their offense is just not their offense, but first of all, might not be playoff oriented because if you know their best players aren't playing as well as they had played during the regular season, you're kind of up crap creek <laughs> to put it in a family friendly terms. Um, but like, I just think like a guy like Kobe White, like he kind of found his way in, a, in when the, the Bulls were turning the game in the third quarter. And I'm not saying Kobe White is the Bulls' godsend this year. He also got blocked by Grayson Allen. He I'm got sure. blocked by Grayson Allen, which is definitely the best play that Grayson had all game. But, like, 
he at least like provides like some instant offense that they just desperately need. They need a little bit of like not he just is, is a different dimension in the fact that he's just like crazy lightning fast and just kind of run the floor really well and can kind of drive and doesn't he's not afraid to kind of get where you know it's very shrouded by seven foot figures who are uh defending the rib and stuff like that like he kind of feels like he knows what he's doing uh at least offensively and it's just like i i don't know i kind of I again, I think that they're going to play better and shoot the ball better. You can't, you can't shoot worse. <laughs> um, but like, I wouldn't be surprised if like Billy Donovan kind of, if it's like game three and they're down three zero or what, or the series goes back to to Chicago and they're down two zero. Does he look at like a starting lineup change because like it doesn't look pretty? Uh, and that's the least I could say about it. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely, it definitely does not look pretty. Uh, flipping, flipping the table, turning the tables. That's the, that's the expression. Uh, <laughs> for Milwaukee game two, what do we really want to see here? Personally, I want to see more Chris Middleton. I want to see him get involved right away so we can find a rhythm right away. That's what I want to see. Um, I think that's the biggest, biggest key really for Milwaukee. Like you're not going to, Pat Conference probably not going to shoot one of six from three again. You're not going to shoot 10 of 38 as a team again. Knock on wood, knock on wood. No. Maybe not this series, but maybe later in the playoffs, I don't maybe. know. Maybe. It'll happen at some point. <laughs> it will happen again. It's guaranteed. We know it will. <laughs> but I just, I need to see Chris get it going early for me. What about you? Yeah, um, agree. Aggressive Chris Middleton that will just make things breathe easier um and just kind of aggressive aggressive in the sense of like he knows what the bucks need at the times that they need it that kind of if that makes sense i mean the fact that i i think uh to add to that uh clean it up 21 turnovers to 19 assists that is not good not good at all and again a lot of it does come down to the Bulls at least like you know whether it's just having Josh Longstaff on the on their coaching staff or just playing the Bucks as much as they have recently they know what the Bucks want to do and um knowing those little kind of things that you don't know unless if you have someone that was on staff again I'm just gonna like key in on that because it it does kind of feel like a big thing after watching it like this but a lot of it was just it, it wasn't just like the pocket pass and stuff like that it was like they're running transition and there's two guys like filling down the middle of the lane and it was just like no one knows to get the ball to and it's oh it's going out out of bounds or you're just kind of misfiring like the 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 overall passes outside of the first quarter (laughs) just kind of like it wasn't hitting shooting pockets it wasn't really hitting people (laughs) people that you want to have the ball or anything like that like that's where I, I think, like, you know, the Bulls can hang their hat on mucking up that way. Um, they may not have the the horses or the offense to kind of really test the Bucks um, in a lot of ways. But, I, again, to your point, like, the, the Bucks gave the Bulls more than they could chew, and they still lost by seven in a game that the Bucks played very terribly for very three bad. quarters. Yes. Yeah. I think I think to to simplify this a lot, do the first quarter thing twice this time. Maybe yeah. not 
we're not, not asking I'm, I'm not asking for a lot here <laughs> yeah we're not asking for a perfect game this isn't you know clayton kershaw and it's the seventh inning or the eighth inning we're gonna pull i mean even yeah. then like that's good seven yeah. out of nine innings you got perfect that's that's good that's more than two-thirds yeah. we're asking for two good quarters and that's shout out to win you cruising game. for a bruising exactly <laughs> that's probably gonna win you the game if you get if you win two quarters pretty handily let's yeah let's say first let's say third just do that you're golden yeah third quarter especially the third quarter we don't need to see okay maybe fourth, first and second quarter <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to see the, another third quarter of like oh the bulls fans are really loud now and they're hitting threes it's like oh this feels awful yeah, yeah. what do you what do you think of the bulls fans I'm not surprised. I, I th- again, this is going to come to the territory when uh, the cities are what 95 miles away from each other, something, or something like that. Something like that. Like I, I don't know. Like I kind of go back and forth because you just want to see Bucks fans and stuff like that. But like, it forces you to be on your feet and be on your game. And when the Bucks need, you know, this, it, it there's no science to this. This is just like the, you know your home court advantage and all that stuff. Like you kind of need that. And whether it's Bulls fans counting down Giannis and misremembering that, Oh yeah, they counted him down last year and look what that happened or look what happened to that. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I think I would rather see Bucks fans and, you know, having the time of their lives and doing stuff like that. But I do think like, I, I'm not, again, I'm just not surprised at like what it looks like and what it's it more so sounds like. Yeah. The, all the Bucks fans were in the Deer District All Access with their NFTs. That's, that's true. Yeah, that didn't work out so well for them, did it? No, not not that it looked like. Nope. <laughs> Good job. Good job, Bucks. Way to way way to way to solve all the problems with NFTs. Great, great job. That's uh, all around. I'm gonna stop talking. Uh, did we? Is there anything else we need to hit about this game, about this series going forward? Um, we've got our chainsaw movie references. We've got our story references. Uh, we've got actual basketball analysis. I don't know what else you could ask for. It's it's gonna be an interesting couple of days. I, the Bucks have a lot to clean up. Yeah, they won the game. Um, but yeah, we touched on a lot of it, and just like. It was it was a bigger test than anyone could have imagined, and they passed it. But it was, you know, you got a seventy on the test, and you're coming back after school and talking to the teacher. Can I re- take a retest? <laughs> that kind of that kind of test. Uh, is there a, is this the closest game of the series? Do you think? That was actually another question that I forgot that I wanted to ask, and you asked it. Um, I see this game was close in the fact that again I was openly wondering does anybody want to win this game so there might be closer games and that they're going to be a little bit more competitive like people are hitting shots like that's where we we went through this last year and it's like that game three against the Nets that mentally broke you at one point or like yep. I, did I I don't I was prepping to say this on the pod but uh i don't know if i actually mentioned this on the pod but like we talk about game six and yana scoring 50 and it's like that is like that is our moment as bucks fans for waiting 50 years to win a title 
they also committed 18 turnovers and the game was really bad. It like it may again, it was not a great game. No one honest. could score in that game for the first like five minutes. Exactly. Yeah. The but again, actually very interesting parallels because the Bucks went up crazy big and they, they started losing in the second quarter. It's like they're gonna squander their you know this game and all this stuff. And it was kind of like that. There's a lot more free throws than the Bucks, um, more so Giannis. Um, but it was kind of like that parallel of like you felt like it was in the bag early and no, the bag was a bigger bag or like, it was like a present that just kind of like rimmed out and then went out of the bag. I have to stop using analogies. It's too late to use analogies. Um, but again, I, I, I do think we, t- we kind of like, to my larger point of this is like, we kind of like hold playoff basketball is like, this is the best it will be there. People are hitting shots and like, the 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 gravity of the situation is going to look you, we kind of pulled it up to this like picture of like it's amazing it's great it's just like it, this is how basketball should be played all the time and it's like you realize both teams had a combined um 32 turno- turnovers uh 21 of which were the bucks like it it's not it's not like this great game it's like this is how basketball should be played it's like yeah that looks like crap sometimes like i don't want to watch this all the time basketball is just basketball it's just like you know it's it i don't know i don't know what my point is with that but it's just like you got i got thrust into that memory of like oh yeah it, play a basketball can look like this sometimes it yeah, doesn't it can look just, pretty it, it, it can be the ugliest thing but what matters is the victory and the yes. bucks came out victorious in this game I think that's a great way to wrap this up unless you have anything else. No, I think that's a great way to okay. wrap it up too. Well, thank you for listening to this episode here on the Eurostep Podcast Network. If you did enjoy the show, make sure you leave a five-star rating on your podcast platform of choice. Subscribe on said podcast platform of choice. Subscribe to the YouTube. Subscribe to the Substack, gspn.substack.com. Uh, make sure you follow all of us on Twitter. We're going to be bringing you content, like I said up top, post-game pod after every single game we're going to have some pods interspersed in there some writing interspersed in there gspn has you covered for the stretch run also i should have mentioned this up top i didn't jordan we have merch merch we have merch. we have merch gspnstore.com make sure you check that out there's a promo going on jordan what's the promo code playoffs 22 why playoffs 22 was well, the year 22 or 22 why did i say it like that <laughs> Again, it's very late for me. I've been up for a while. Um, playoffs 2022. I, that's okay. This this promo code is not going well. Promo code playoffs 22. That is our promo code. Do not listen to the last 30 seconds of me attempting to say this promo code. Yeah, that'll give you 22% off. Uh, it, it'll be great if you support us. It's We got some great designs for all of the podcasts on there, including Cruising for a Bruising. Make sure you go subscribe. By the way, it's a separate feed. Uh, but yeah, make sure you check that out. Uh, stay tuned, Pod Random, and we will talk to you next time. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.